0: Oh, praise God, praise God, for whom all blessings flow, eh? <laughs> oh, that was so good this morning. Everyone who's not into rugby, eh, It's just like, phew, straight over your heads. But we were here with a few guys this morning getting ready for church, and yeah, there was ecstatic worship going on here this morning, I can tell you. I've started losing my boys, so hopefully you all get through this message. Um... You might have noticed that uh, Amy's not here this morning. Uh, She's speaking up at Auckland at Central Vineyard. Uh, A few weeks back we had Dan Sheed came and spoke here and he's uh, got her up there this morning sharing. So uh, after church I'll be racing home to clean the house before I pick her up (laughs) at four (laughs) o'clock. The kids had pizzas last night. It's daddy day care (laughs) basically. Um, and on a serious note, um, I also just want to acknowledge that yesterday, um, many of you know um, Pete and Teresa Smithies, and it was Teresa Smithies' funeral. Uh, a few of us went along there to um, honour and celebrate her life, and um, just uh, I just want to pray for everyone who's hurting, especially for Pete and his family this morning. So, if you just want to maybe reach out your hands or just in your heart, just put them put them out there. So, Father God, we just we just pray. For your incredible warmth and embrace around pete and his family around the whole smithies family this morning god Uh, lord it says in your word that you are the god of all comfort and lord would you be his comfort in this season in jesus name amen why don't we just stand um out of our love and our respect for the word of god if you've got your bibles in front of you why don't you turn to john 14 verse 12. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. Jesus, I thank you for those incredible words. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would open up our heart to, for it to go deep within us this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Just want to take a seat. Uh, We're just going to, for the next couple of weeks, leading up to camp and and the week after, we're just going to sort of switch gears a little bit and we're going to focus on sort of the Holy Spirit and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Um, You would have known if you've been tracking along with us during the year that we've had a big focus on discipleship and like uh, Alex shared about apprenticing to Jesus and we've looked through a whole lot of spiritual practices. And one thing I've shared here before Sometimes in the church, um, the contemplative and the charismatic are kind of at two ends of a spectrum. Um, But actually, we're just really greedy here at Korimako. We want it all. And I like how Strong Coleman puts it. um, He's talking about um, the difference between contemplation and and kind of intercession. He said it's it's all the river. So if you're in contemplation, you're, you're in the river and you're immersing yourself in the water. You're just letting the goodness and the love of God flow all over your body. Um, but if you're in intercession, if you're sort of taking ground for the kingdom, it's like you're in a, in a kayak or canoe and you're working your way with God through that river, through, through the wet rapids. It's God and you working together. And it's, it's both. It's still the river. It's God's presence. It's power. So we, we're going to just look... Um, Um, If you you didn't know, we are a charismatic church. Vineyard is a charismatic church. You might be shocked if you didn't know that this morning. You'd be like, oh, oh, heck, yeah. (laughs) Uh, uh, Surprise. (laughs) We do the things of the Holy Spirit here. (laughs) And it's something of our heritage, and we love it. And so we're going to, like we talked about the spiritual disciplines and practices, we want to practice the gifts of the Spirit. We want to practice kingdom ministry to one another. But I just wanted to start this morning with uh, a video Um, from a guy called John Wimber, uh, who's pretty much sort of the founding father of of the vineyard movement. And um, Johnny's just going to click on that now.
1: As I read the New Testament, I
0: fell in love with Jesus. Didn't you? I liked him.
1: I liked what he was like. I liked the things he did. I liked the things he said. Didn't you like those things? I thought that stuff was hot. I liked it when he multiplied the bread. You like that one? Huh? How about it? you like that? And the fishes, you know, the sardines. I always picture sardines. I like that stuff. I like all that stuff, you know? I liked it when he went by the fig tree and said, hmm, you know? <laughs> and it died. Can you picture him doing that? I like all that stuff. I like it. I remember last night, comfort. That's a biggie, you know? I mean, that's hot. There's not many guys doing that comfort thing, you know, telling anybody to come up from the dead. I like all that stuff. And when I became a Christian, I thought that's what I was going to do. I spent several weeks reading the New Testament and talking with these people, and I thought, this is great. You know, I'm going to join up. I want to do this stuff. And so I remember the frustration of attending church the first few times. You know what I thought they did at church? I thought you, that people gathered at the church, had a good time together, sort of divvied up the land, and then everybody went out, and healed a few, cast out a few demons, and won a few people to Christ before lunch. And so, the first few times I went to church, I went prepared with the idea that we're going to, you know, ha! I'm going to take Anaheim. I want to go to Anaheim. You know, the deepest, darkest, pagan Anaheim. Over there by Disneyland. That's where I want to go. Because that's where I was raised. And when they didn't do it, I was disappointed. And I remember one day asking a guy about it. I said, well, when do we go out and do it? He said, what? I said, when do we go out and do it? He says, oh, you don't have to do it. You just have to believe it was done once. Now that's pathetic. Isn't it? I found out over the next year or two that we cried about it. We sang about it. We preached about it. We prayed over it. We gave to it, but we never did it. We never got to go do the things that Jesus did. And I grew disillusioned in the process. Now you know, Mm -hmm. when I worked for the devil, he let me do his stuff. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Did he let you do his stuff? He let me do his stuff. But when I came to work for Jesus, they didn't want to let me do his stuff. To tell you the truth, I joined up to do the stuff. Did you? You see, it's doing the stuff that's going to change the world. It's not knowing it was done once, it's not knowing that it's important. It's doing it that's going to change the world. Somewhere, someplace, somebody's got to start believing this book and acting on it. And I figure it might as well be us. <laughs> We're qualified, and we understand that it can be done.
0: It's an awesome uh, story, isn't it, uh, from John Wimber there um, when he was first becoming a Christian, just having that experience. And, yeah, like I said earlier, we are a, um, a charismatic church vineyard, but... I'm just aware that sometimes we can fall into something um, which I call functional cessationism. So, um, some of you may have grown up in churches where people taught that the gifts of the Spirit and the ministry of the Holy Spirit ceased at the end of the Apostolic Age. So, basically, when the Apostle John finished up, somewhere near the end of the first century, the Holy Spirit was like, Right, I'm out of here, I've done my work. Um, they're going to write a Bible soon, they've got everything they need, and the church is set for the next, you know, 2,000, 3,000 years, whatever it is, until Jesus returns. And so some of you might have been in environments where people have taught that, that the gifts of the Spirit and the ministry of the Holy Spirit ceased. And obviously, if you generally go to a Charismatical Pentecostal church, you don't believe that. You believe that the same power and the same stuff that Jesus was doing with his disciples is alive and well with us today. Unfortunately, I think we can fall into, like I said before, functional cessationism where we believe in these things, but we actually don't do them. And that's the point John Wimber's trying to make in that that story. Like, people believe in this stuff, but they're not doing it. They're not doing the things that Jesus said to do through the power of the Spirit. But it asks an obvious question, Is like, how? How do we actually do this as the people of God? Like, this morning, maybe your heart is, is, you know, you're just like, oh, yeah, I want to do the things of Jesus. As you're watching that video, as you're feeling and sensing the presence of the Holy Spirit and worship, you're like, yes, yes, Lord, I want to do these things. But I guess we sort of think, how do we do it? How do we do this? And I think our best model for these sort of things is through Jesus. But... Before I get into that, I just wanted to also unpack another reason why I think we, we, we think like that. And I think a huge part of that is because of, of the world or the water that we're swimming in, which is Western culture. So we've got maybe three, 400 years since the Enlightenment where we have had a lot of skepticism in our culture around the things of the supernatural. And if anyone's been to the Third World or to um, the Eastern part of the world, like other parts of the world, there's not that skepticism. They, they understand the supernatural and the natural are together. And I found this really, um, really helpful from this thing from Steve Graham. And he put together this, this thing that he said when he went to the Philippines. They train missionaries about this because they're coming from Western logic, skepticism backgrounds. They, they tell them this sort of tool about, like, you know, the difference between our culture and these cultures that you're going into. And he said, you know, like, there's two things. There's the supernatural and there's the natural. And he said they called the supernatural otherworldly, and they called the natural thisworldly. So when they talked about the otherworldly, the, when the missionaries went in there, they would talk about things like otherworldly be things like, you know, God, heaven and hell, eternity, like big supernatural sort of otherworldly things like that. And then they would talk about this worldly stuff, which would be like, they'd be about building hospitals and they would be about translating Bibles and doing practical things. But the problem that happened as these missionaries were were preaching, and often doing good things, that there was a gap. And the gap was in this bit in between, which they called the natural supernatural or the this worldly So like I said before, the missionaries were good at telling people about God, heaven and hell. They were good at at translating Bibles and building hospitals and schools and these sort of things, good works, all that kind of practical stuff. But they couldn't help people when they had something going on in this world that needed supernatural intervention. So that might be someone like needed healing and they, they, they wouldn't be able to do it. Or maybe someone was saying, oh, I've got this supernatural presence or something in my home or around. You know, can, you, can you come and pray? Can you get rid of that for me? And, and the missionaries, off by and large, couldn't deal with that stuff because they didn't have a framework for dealing with it. And so what would happen often in these cultures is that those people would, in that in-between space would go to people who had authority to deal with those things, like witch doctors, because they were in that world. And so they were missing this big chunk in the middle. And I feel like in our culture too, there's this big... Because this is the world we live in. This is the realm we live in, in that middle zone. While we're here on the surface, we're living through life. We're in that realm with living in the natural, but the supernatural is going on as well. And even though we don't often see or maybe feel or these sort of things, it's happening all around us. And we are the people of God who need to be able to intervene and help people with healing, prophetic words, deliverance even, casting out demons, because these are the works that Jesus did. These are the things that he did as he came in his kingdom power. And like I said, he did that by the spirit. I love this, uh, this is just after Jesus, in Luke's gospel, just after Jesus had been baptized in the river Jordan by his cousin, John. And as he came out of the water, It said that the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. And we just read that and we just carry on. But that had so much meaning to the people around who would have been looking and seeing the signs. Because what had happened was when the Jewish people had gone away into captivity, as I electrocute myself, (laughs) in Babylon, they they had actually lost a bit of their language. Um, They actually started picking up Aramaic. And they still had Hebrew with, like, the priests and the scribes and things like that. But by and large, a lot of people spoke, uh, like, a street language called Aramaic. And this is what, actually, Jesus and his disciples kind of spoke in. And they'd actually translated um, big chunks of of the Old Testament uh, into Aramaic. And the bit at Genesis, where it says, you know, it's right at the start of creation, where it says that the Spirit is hovering over the waters. In that Aramaic translation... It actually said the spirit was hovering over the water like a dove. So when those people heard that, they would be like, "Oh, they would have thought of Genesis." Now, what is Genesis? It's about creation, and then we have the fall, which is like decreation, and then we have this moment of Jesus being anointed by the Spirit as, Jesus, as the Spirit descends upon him. This is a moment of recreation. There's something God is doing of the kingdom breaking through Jesus as he's baptised and he comes out of the water. And then it says in uh, Luke 4, 1, just to your left in your Bibles, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, into the wilderness. And he spent 40 days in the wilderness fasting and praying and in solitude and battling the devil, full of the Holy Spirit, charging up on the Holy Spirit out there, And then we read on in John, um, sorry, we read on in John, um, further on, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left, uh, sorry, Jesus, verse 14, Jesus returned to Galilee, this is after being in the wilderness, in the power of the Holy Spirit, and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. And then after that, he turns up to his hometown in Nazareth, and, and then he grabs a scroll, and he reads out this, this, these words from the prophet Isaiah, and he says, the spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news, and he carries on, and it's a bit of a mic drop moment in his hometown, as he puts it down and says, hey, this has been fulfilled in your presence. And they're like, what? <laughs> Who do you think you are? And they, try and they try and kill him, and then he sort of meanders, sort of like a ghost sort of goes through the cloud. I don't know how he does it. He somehow goes through these people when he's, he's not thrown off this cliff. But there, straight after that, it, we read in your Bible, straight after that, we read that he casts out a demon, that he starts healing lots of people. So can you see the connection there, that where he's had the, by the Spirit, he did everything by the Spirit, full of the Spirit, and then as he's full of the Spirit, he starts doing these kingdom works. He's not doing this all in his human strength. He's doing it with the Spirit of God that is upon him. And that gets us to that text that I read out earlier today, John 14, 12 talking to the disciples, and he says, very truly, and some of your, your translations say truly, truly, which is effectively like a kind of a so be it, like an amen, amen, like this is really important, pay attention here. Whoever believes in me and does the works I've been doing, they will do even greater works than these. Not they will do even mediocre works than these. <laughs> they will do greater works like that is the promise that Jesus is saying to his disciples. That is the promise that we are, we can step into this morning, greater works than even Jesus did. Oh, that's incredible. I don't know about you, but I haven't seen anyone raised from the dead. <laughs> I'm not seeing, uh, you know, big feeds down at the FMG Stadium of you know twenty thousand people. Um, I have seen a little bit of healing. You know, I've seen some prophecy. I've seen some things like. Jesus promised that we will do greater works than him. What a promise. What a promise. What an invitation that God is inviting us all into this morning. And the beautiful part of it is that, like I said before, we do it by the Spirit. We don't do this alone. We're not gritting our teeth trying to force things to happen. We're partnering with the Holy Spirit. In John 14, verse 6... Jesus says to the disciples, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. And this is a Greek word for when he talks about another advocate. It's this thing called allos parakletos, the Paraclete, another helper, someone who comes alongside. And there's a beautiful part of the Holy Spirit that comes alongside as a comforter. That's, that's one of his roles. He comes along and he comforts us as he comes alongside us as we walk through the, the struggles and the battles of life. But he also comes in power to encourage us, to help us do these things. He's, it's, he's stirring us on to do these good works. He's the one that's empowering us to do it. So the first step for us is, is, is just like those disciples is to receive the Holy Spirit. There's an interesting scene at the end of John 20. Jesus has um, returned from rising from the dead, and he appears with his disciples. And it says this in verse 22 and then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. It's a beautiful scene. Um, again, we had those pictures you know, in Genesis when God formed man. Man, humanity out of the ground. He said that God put his, his breath, the breath of life into us. We've got, we got Jesus here in this act of recreation, breathing the Holy Spirit into these disciples to give them life in this act of recreation. And then he says in Acts 1.8, just before he's about to send to the Father, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. There's something about us needing to receive of the Holy Spirit. And this is, I think this is probably the biggest challenge that we have, is, is, is surrendering and just letting him fill us up. Isn't it right? I know for me, like, I just, I just sometimes just want to do it all of my own strength. And then there's just moments... I'm at a church service or a conference or something, and I'm just like, oh, this is a moment of surrender. This is a moment of filling up. This is a moment of letting the Holy Spirit do with me what He needs to do to transform me and fill me for His mission and His purposes. Simon Ponsonby says this about the three things the Holy Spirit gives us the Holy Spirit is the immediacy of God, it's His presence. The Holy Spirit is the intimacy of God. It's, a, it's his encounter. And lastly, the Holy Spirit gives impartation for service. Gifts. Gifts so that we can do kingdom work. And that's where I want to just sort of close this morning. We, we, I've kept this relatively short by my standards. Because <laughs> i got to get home and clean the house. <laughs> uh, we want to make space this morning to receive from the Holy Spirit. But we're not just receiving from the Holy Spirit to feel good. That, that's great, and I, I want to see more and more of that. And I encourage you to be filled, not just once, but daily. In Ephesians, Paul says to the church, he says, you know, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And they reckon in the Greek it has this kind of idea like of being continuously filled Which makes sense, because I I don't know for myself, but I think you can get drunk more than once. Anyone else? (laughs) Just heard it from someone, you know. Never experienced that myself. Same way you you can be intoxicated with alcohol, you can be intoxicated and filled with the Holy Spirit. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, You can be filled when you're with your brothers and sisters here this morning at Kurimako. You can be filled tomorrow morning when you get out of bed and say, Holy Spirit, here I am. Fill me today to do what I need to do. I need your power. But we get filled so that we can bring the kingdom, help partner of God to bring his kingdom to come in our life and situations. In Acts 3.6... It's an interesting scene, this is just after Pentecost, and uh, Peter and John are walking, they've been going to, morning, they're going to their afternoon prayers, and isn't this so true that the, the Holy Spirit interrupts our rhythms and routines and things that we're doing? Uh, I love that, so it's it a beautiful picture there because it's also their devotional rhythm, but then you've got these moments of the Spirit just breaking in and doing stuff. And there's a, there's a guy who's lame, who, who cannot walk. And he's beside the gate and he's asking for money and this is what peter says to him he says silver or gold i do not have but what i do have i give you in the name of jesus christ of nazareth walk and the guy is healed see we're not just filled up so that we can just feel good We've filled up so that we can partner with his kingdom to bring that kingdom to pass in people's lives. And there are people who need that kingdom breakthrough, right? There are people who've got demonic oppression. There are people who are struggling with depression and anxiety. There are people who are needing physical, like even healing from life-threatening diseases. And I know there's a whole mystery to how that works. We have this... Um, sometimes I talk about um, it's a very vineyard-y sort of thing to talk about, but the, the the now and the not yet or the already and the not yet of way of looking about how the kingdom works. you know some things happen now, and some things are going to happen in eternity, but I think so so too so, so quickly we we default to the not yet, like oh, oh Lord, if it's your will, heal this person oh oh, oh Lord, just guide the hand of those surgeons you know and and I, I love that we live in 2023, and we've got wonderful medical intervention and all those sort of things, and that's wonderful gifts. But how quickly do we quickly just pull back from pressing forward to being conduits of God's grace and power into situations? I know I'm guilty of that. I I quickly default to the not yet. And I've got like a passion in my heart to just not be like that. I just don't want to continue to be like that. I just want to keep pushing forward for things. And I want to finish with this thought, which I'm going to unpack a little bit tomorrow, um, next Sunday. I, uh, John Wimber had this famous saying, faith is spout R-I-S-K. And I used to think that was really amazing. And it is still really amazing. But I've heard an even better one. This guy called Jordan Singh, he's a vineyard pastor in Hawaii. And he says, faith is spout T-R-Y. And the reason he says that is that when you say faith is spelt risk, it's high stakes. So people don't want to try. <laughs> but if you actually just say, well, faith, taking those steps of faith is actually about trying and includes failure, because that's all about trying and get, not getting anything perfect, then you've got, you're going to build a culture in your church of actually going for things. And that that in your church you actually celebrate the failures as the successes. Because you tried. You stepped out. You did what you're obedient to what God asked you to do. So we're gonna celebrate that. And next week I just wanna really unpack like what would it look like for us as a church to celebrate a culture of trying, of stepping out to do kingdom work like that. Is that good? Why don't we stand?